Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hello, ladies and gents, this is Arndt Eriksson, and welcome to the Marketing at Heart podcast. For those of you who have no background on me, I worked in the creative industry for more than two decades, starting off as a classic ad man, then later moving into the world of social media with focus on strategy and innovation. My passion and purpose is to simplify the complexity of marketing. I'm also the creator of 5 Minute Friday, which is on YouTube every week, with now more than a million downloads. But this podcast is all about compelling conversations with inspiring people with their personal insight and perspective on everything connected to marketing. In this episode, we are sitting down with the former Chief Strategy Officer at Mashable, a role in which he was responsible for defining and implementing strategic initiatives across the organization. He has been frequently quoted by numerous major media outlets, including the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, Bloomberg, AdAge, the Washington Post, and USA Today, among many others. His TED Talk, After Your Final Status Update, has been viewed more than a million times. Please join me for a conversation about the future of media and native advertising moving forward with Adam Mastro. Thank you for having me. So, how are you doing? I'm well, thank yeah? you. Yeah? <laughs> That's good. Cold, I guess? A little chilly, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, you're working as the chief strategy officer at Mashable. Right. So how, tell me a little bit about the company. How did it come to life? Yeah, so the company started back in 2005, and it was basically a one-man blog. Pete Cashmore, our founder, started the company in Scotland. Basically, he was 19 years old and decided instead of going to college, he would start a blog. Wow. So for the first year and a half or so of Mashable, it was all Pete doing most all of the writing, just working you know, 18 hours a day, covering everything going on in tech from afar, right, in Scotland. Yeah. Then uh, early 2007, he hired myself and a number of other writers to try to contribute on a guest basis, which was exciting for me at the time. I had a background in journalism, but also had my own social networking startup. Mm -hmm. So I joined up in 2007, 
mm-hmm. and started writing for Mashable about six months later. Okay. Pete offered me the editor position, which was a better gig than my startup uh, at the time. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, uh, you know, from there, uh, I was editor-in-chief of Mashable for about four years. We grew our staff from about three editorial employees to about 25. Mm-hmm. Uh, about two years ago, I moved more over to the business side of the company. So now I'm responsible for our content strategy, business development and partnerships, as well as our monetization strategy. Wow. And how many people are you now? I have about 80 people in all. Wow. Cool. Yeah. That's a pretty amazing journey for such a short time. Yeah, we didn't even have an office until three years ago. So we were a completely virtual company, everyone working from home, and then started the office in New York about three years ago. Wow. So that's really a social business. Yeah. (laughs) That's cool. Um, So what's your idea about... So you've been an entrepreneur, actually, before you came to Mashable. Yeah. Uh, do you see yourself as part of the entrepreneurship in Mashable as well? Did yeah, definitely. We, we're, we've always been a company that's thought very entrepreneurially. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, everyone's always responsible for new ideas. And as chief strategy officer, I think my responsibility more so than anyone else is to really be thinking about where we need to be in six months, 12 months, 18 months, and really mm-hmm. thinking about the future and what our next opportunities are, whether they're in content, mm-hmm. whether they're on the ad product side, partnerships we should be looking at. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think there's a real entrepreneurial spirit that runs in everyone from our product team to our writers and editors. Mm-hmm. And what's your idea about, so when it comes to, to entrepreneurships and startups in the context of the new media space we're living in, I mean, it's massive. Yeah, well, I think it's an exciting time to be in media, and especially in a, an exciting time if you want to launch your own media venture, right? Because mm-hmm. media has changed so much in the last 10 years. I mean, yeah. blogs came in and essentially disrupted print media. Mm-hmm. But if you look ahead, there's all these other disruptive things happening in media, whether you want to be in music, whether you want to be in movies. You know, actually looking at the Academy Awards a few weeks ago, one of the films that won an Oscar was actually funded in part through Kickstarter, yeah. and it was shot in part on an iPhone. So you're seeing this you know, rapid democratization of being able to create content, being able to fund content. Mm. And on the other side, is a, you know, the consumer models are shifting as well. People are no longer all about owning their content, right? They want to be able to rent it. They want to be able to access it in the cloud so they can get it on their smartphone, on their desktop, on their tablet. Mm. So you're seeing services like Spotify and Netflix really start to take off. So it's a it's a great time to be in media, whether you're a, a platform, whether you're a content creator, mm. or even whether you're an advertising company. Right. So what do you think is... is so obviously that means that we have changed our perception of media as well. Because everything is different. Like you say, we rent space. Uh, we can, or we can have access to all the data that we, that we consume and that we are a part of from anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, so how do you think that's going to change in the next 6 to 12 months? Because it's going to be a rapid change. Yeah, I mean, the biggest changes mm-hmm. that we're focused on right now as, as a company, first and foremost, is really the change in how people consume our content. Mm-hmm. So in the last, I'd say, 18 months, we've seen our traffic on mobile devices, Mm. just about double. It's gone to about 30% of our audience now. One-third of our audience is on mobile devices. Mm -hmm. And that's a bit of a challenge because ad dollars haven't moved over to mobile as quickly. I think the the stat a lot of people were talking about over the last year is that even though mobile attracts about 10% of people's attention Mm. uh, in terms of media, it attracts only 1% of the advertising dollars. So that's a problem for publishers. It's a problem for... Facebook, mm. uh, you know, Facebook, I think one of the reasons they struggled after their IPO was because people were saying, oh, how are they going to monetize mobile? More than half of their audience is mobile now, but they're not making any money there. Mm. I think you're starting to see that shift. And one of the things we're excited about as a solution to monetizing on mobile is mm. native advertising. Yeah. 
Native advertising, that's the word. Yeah. So, <laughs> so tell me, what, so if you would like do the elevator pitch of what's Native. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Advertising. Yeah, I, I think native advertising is non-interruptive advertising that feels native to the platform you're on. Mm-hmm. So on Twitter, that's promoted tweets where a brand is essentially paying to have additional exposure for one of their tweets. Mm. On Facebook, it's a brand paying to have one of their posts, whether it's a photo, a status update, a video, a promotion, etc., mm. paying to give that additional lift. Mm. But what's interesting about this is it's not just like blatant pay for play, right? If mm. the update isn't engaging, if people aren't liking it or commenting or retweeting, mm. the update still won't show up. So the networks are starting to place value on actual quality of content and people engaging with the content. Mm. On Mashable, we do this um, in a way that that also we feel is native to our platform, where we will work with a brand to create a content, usually a content program, but also community programs and events and things like that, that line up with that brand's messaging, right? It's not about BMW coming on Mashable and saying, our cars are the best. Mm. It's BMW saying, you know what, we really care about people that live in cities and the future of cities. People aren't driving as much. Mm. We're starting to get involved in areas like ride sharing, bike sharing, smarter parking applications, things of that nature. Mm-hmm. So that's the type of content we write about on Mashable that's presented by BMW. It's content that's very relevant to the values that they stand for, but it's not you know, in-your-face product promotion. But how would how how do you think people perceive that content? Do you, do they think like it's oh it's just bought so let's ignore it or? Well, we've actually seen quite the opposite on Mashable. We've seen uh, our what we call custom content, content that's supported by an advertiser. Mm. We see it actually gets about fifty percent more engagement than or organic news content. Wow! And I think that's because we put so much thought into creating something that our audience is going to enjoy reading. Mm. I think there's extra pressure when there's a sponsor for exactly that reason. We don't want our readers to think we're just you know, writing what the sponsor wants. We need to make sure it's compelling, interesting content. Yeah. And we've been really successful with it so far. Wow. 
That's interesting. Cause yeah, and I, and I think though there there is you know it's important to make sure that definition gets understood because I think a lot of people are continu- confusing native advertising with just advertorials, right? Where yeah. a brand just comes in and writes whatever they want about their product. And you've seen some examples of that in the last couple months mm. where that has happened and it's really reflected negatively on the whole space. I think there needs to be a line drawn between advertorial mm. and native advertising because I don't think they're the same thing. No. And how, so what if, like, for example, there's a journalist that writes an article about BMW, for example, and then it's posted on Mashable. Is it so that, that BMW can then say, okay, let's, we want to promote those kinds of stories? Well, what they can do is they can, and we've seen this happen, they'll, they'll see an article on Mashable, not BMW specifically, but let's say a Samsung or something mm. like that. They, they happen to like the editorial review mm. of the new phone that Mashable wrote. Mm. We won't let them pay to promote that because I think that crosses a line. Mm-hmm. But what that brand might do is buy paid traffic elsewhere that drives people to that review. Oh, so okay. they might buy a promoted tweet on Twitter that says, hey, check out this review of the Samsung Galaxy S4 on Mashable. Mm. Or they might buy some traffic from Outbrain or StumbleUpon or any of these different native solutions to drive people towards editorial content they want to be seen. Right, okay. We also think, though, on the other hand, you can, with the custom content programs we do do, mm-hmm. which are, again, more thematic than product promotion, mm-hmm. we do think it, it's very... Um, it can be very beneficial for a brand to back that up with media spend. Yeah. So that's media spend on Mashable, so buying display advertisements that promote the program they're running with us, mm-hmm. but also buying those ads on Twitter and Facebook and Stumble, et cetera, that drive traffic. So like the whole ecosystem to exactly. boost yeah. attention. Yeah. Um, but as as we can see now, the, the, the media or social media space is quite noisy. How do we how do we get it get attention? How how do we grasp and, and take space in that? Yeah, I mean, certainly we think that content is mm. the answer. Yeah. Because if you look at Facebook and Twitter, you're exactly right. The way these algorithms are evolving, mm. the reality is a very small percentage of the updates that your brand is posting are being seen. Yeah. Even by the people that have subscribed to your brand or liked your brand, I think the number is something like 13 to 15% yeah. of updates actually get seen by the people that have subscribed, opted in. Mm. And this is partly a result of the noise and the clutter, but it's also a result of the business models, right? Mm. Facebook and Twitter, they want to make money. They want to charge the brand to mm. be able to get that access to the exactly. people. Yeah. So I think right now what you're starting to see is it starts with good content. The more engaging the content is, the more it's going to show up. Mm. But you also have to put a little bit of money behind it to get it to that tipping point where it goes viral and lots and lots of people see it and mm. you really deliver that major ROI mm. on your marketing program. Yeah. And, and so... When it comes to then traditional like newspapers that are now digital, so you have a lot of newspapers in the U.S. that are more and more solely digital. Mm-hmm. Uh, but how will they survive? I mean, because it's a fight and it's a war, and and you're actually moving along, uh, moving ahead with a, a really foresight within strategy. Yeah, certainly. I, I think newspapers are a unique case. I mean, you're already in the in the U.S. You're starting to see some newspapers that have killed their print editions. They've mm. gone completely digital. Mm. You're also seeing other publishers launch paywalls mm. uh, with varying degrees of the success. I think you know New York Times, Wall Street Journal, mm. Gannett even is starting to show some success with their paywalls. Okay. So you're starting to see their models evolve, and, mm. and they're finding new ways to monetize and make money. Ultimately, though, 
it's hard to see print having a long-term mm. future, at least in the current model. I mean, I think there will always be maybe a little bit of value in having a, a print publication to take on the plane with you, yeah. or maybe they drop it at your door at the hotel. <laughs> but you know, long, yeah. long-term, the, the, the trends are clearly against it. Yeah. And the value proposition, I don't think, is as strong for anybody involved. I don't think it's as strong for the reader. I don't think it's strong for the advertiser because I don't think it's nearly as measurable mm. as digital. Mm. So in the long run, I, I do feel like print is going away. Yeah, I agree. And also, it's it's a challenge when it comes to, how do you say it, um, newspapers have a staff with a lot of journalists and the journalists are so it's, it's like the focus on cost effectiveness and we have to minimize our cost and we have to affect the production and everything and in the end it's just copy paste a lot of copy paste and not the original content production uh, because they have to be so general as well yeah I, I think that's partly true I mean I think newspapers challenges are more tied to having trucks having to cut trees, having to print paper. Yeah, well, I, I think of some of the traditional economics are more challenging. I mean, mm. Mashable invests a lot of money in journalism too. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't think newspapers are inherently a flawed product from the editorial side. Mm-hmm. You know, because what we're trying to do at Mashable right now is really balance out that long-form quality journalism with kind of the fun, quick hits, the stuff that tends to get a lot of eyeballs. Mm. It's important to do both, and I think newspapers, from a journalistic perspective still serve a very important purpose. Mm. I think the financial model for them, though, is, is very flawed, exactly. which is why you're starting to see a lot of experiments and mm. some newspapers are dying and those that are innovating are able to you know, succeed. And, and we'll see what happens. You know, Time Warner just last week, uh, I think it was last week, spun off Time Inc., its whole magazine unit, right? They spun it off as its own business mm. because it was, you know, it become such a financial burden. Yeah on the company. So it'll be interesting to see how they sort it out. I imagine a number of their titles might end up going digital only. Mm. We'll see in the months to come. Yeah. Um, so if are there any principles, based on your experience and based on the journey you've been through with Mashable, uh, are there any principles you'd like to share when it comes to young startups and entrepreneurs? Things that they should be attentive to? Sure. I think one of the interesting things about Mashable from, from the entrepreneurial perspective is that we never raised outside capital. Mm. So we were a self-funded company from the beginning. We still are today. Mm. And I think that's been very positive mm-hmm. for us for a number of reasons. You know, And it, it's had its drawbacks as well. You see competitors go out and they're able to hire more aggressively than you. Mm. At the end of the day, though, we're still making all the decisions. We're in control of our own destiny 100%. Yeah. So it's an interesting trade-off and it's something interesting for startups to think about. The other thing is we really... And, and this is largely an effect of that model, mm. really kept costs down for a long time. Mm. We didn't have any expensive overhead. We didn't have an office even for the first three or four years of the company. Mm. So I think those are important things to think about. And, you know, there's so much, I think, um, I'd say sexiness associated with venture capital today. Yeah. But it's not necessary for every business. And the costs of starting a company today are so low, Mm. and there's so many alternative options to get started, whether it's joining an accelerator program or an incubator program. Mm. There's a lot of ways to go about starting your company that don't mean giving a huge chunk of it away to investors early on. So I would definitely look out, you know, keep that in mind when you're thinking about your company, Mm. especially if it's in the internet consumer space. I mean, there's certain companies, right, if you want to start a manufacturing company, obviously you need lots of capital. But if you're talking about media, consumer internet, there's so many other ways to finance a business these days. Mm. Yeah, I heard uh, the so one session at South By was from the, the founder of Airbnb mm-hmm. that 
actually managed to start up the company based on selling Obama's the cereal. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I remember when Airbnb just started and we were writing about them on Mashable. Mm. Yeah, it's a, it's a perfect example. I mean, they went on to raise lots and lots of money. Mm. Um, but since because they were able to prove their business before doing that, yeah. they were able to go raise money at a much higher valuation. Exactly, yeah. So let's go back to media. So what, what, what is the future of media? What do you think is going to be the next innovation? Yeah, I, I think there's a lot of interesting things happening in media right now. I think mm. you're only really starting to see areas beyond print get disrupted. I think television mm. is an area that's ripe for a lot of disruption. Mm. Film is mm. an area that's ripe for distribution. One of the things I'm going to talk about in my presentation yeah. um, this week is actually how some of the distribution models of film are changing. Mm. So instead of these kind of mass market releases, now you're letting demand actually dictate where film gets released. People ask for a film to come to their city and it comes to their city. So a lot more intelligence yeah. getting baked into media. I think also, going back to television for a second, if you think about most of the TVs that are shipping today are all internet connected. Mm. I think that creates a lot of interesting opportunities for entrepreneurs and for media companies, mm. uh, for especially for new media companies. Mm. Similar to the way you know blogs like ours were able to disrupt print in the last ten years, I think you're going to be able to uh, new entrepreneurs are going to be able to disrupt television in the next ten years because the costs have come down so much yeah. of producing television and then. Access costs, right? If you can just deliver it over the internet instead of through the cable company or the satellite company, mm. that's a big opportunity for entrepreneurs. Mm. Yeah, and actually, um, um, what's it called, the series? I don't remember. Uh, uh, um, Veronica Mars, the TV show. That's now being produced as a movie based on crowd... Uh, oh, Veronica kick, Mars, kick, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that was a really interesting story <laughs> in the last... Week or so. Yeah. Another thing I'm going to talk about in my presentation. Um, okay. <laughs> try not to spoil the whole no, thing. no, no, no. no. <laughs> it's okay. um, but no, Veronica Mars, yeah, it was a hit TV show uh, Crazy. About, about five or six years ago. Yeah. And they'd been wanting to make a movie for a long time, but no studios had given it the green light. Mm. So what they did is just put it on Kickstarter, and I think it raised a million dollars within four hours. Yeah. <laughs> now it's over, you know, about a week later, it's it's nearly at four million dollars. Might mm. be past that at this point. Yeah. And the movie's got green lighted. Warner Brothers is going to distribute it. But just crazy how yeah. the financing model's gone totally to the fans mm. and the traditional power brokers, the movie studios, mm. weren't involved. And so that's also going to change the way we see advertising. Because yeah. suddenly the people are deciding what's going to be on, what's going to be produced, and so forth. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think, and that's something else you're going to see is you're going to be able to make a lot smarter bets in terms of what type of media you invest in, right? Because mm. basically now, before a movie even gets released, you know whether it's going to be successful or not based on what people are saying on Twitter, right? Yeah. So it's, it's completely flipping media upside down. Exactly. Um, so to wrap it up, any any good material, books, something that you get inspired by that you think that people should actually get engaged with? Yeah, one of my you know, favorite things I've come across recently, actually I read it a few years ago, I forgot about it, and then it resurfaced maybe okay. in the last month or so, is a presentation that the CEO of Netflix put together about company culture. Okay. Uh, it's like a, it's a maybe 125, 130-slide deck just about all the different aspects of Netflix company culture from how they compensate people mm-hmm. to how they hire, what they look for in promoting people. Just a really insightful way of thinking about how to you know, not only build a business, but once you have established a business, how to run a business, how to keep the best people, how to attract the best people, mm. and create a company culture that's really effective. Because mm. I think that's one of the key things 
that startups and entrepreneurs need to think about from a pretty early on point is how they create an environment where the people are excited to come to work, yeah. where they're passionate about it. Because once you get beyond like the founding team, it's all those other employees that are going to carry the company, right? Yeah. And do all the work on a day-to-day basis. And if they're not motivated, if they don't enjoy coming to work, most likely the product isn't going to succeed. Exactly. So Excellent. Check it out. We will. Thank you. My pleasure. Appreciate it. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.